This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. All right, everybody, this is Bob here at the Coochie's Corner Podcast. We are coming to you with Season 4, Episode number 6. We are going to break down Richmond. We are also going to go over some late-breaking news. We have some guys that are entering the truck race um, that originally weren't on the list of uh, drivers that we're going to enter. So we know um, guys like Jonathan Davenport and uh, Chase Briscoe are going to be in the truck race, so we'll talk about that. We will also discuss the appeals that are going to be coming up this week. We have Denny Hamlin's, basically uh, his appeal for admitting on actions detrimental. That's his podcast that drops on Mondays. Typically um, he admitted that he wrecked um, uh, Ross Chastain at Phoenix. So we have that penalty coming up this week and that appeals process is going to happen. And then we will have the colleague uh, appeal as well this week, which will uh, basically probably go the same way the Hendrick one did. Um, Cause they both got caught um, messing with the uh, hood louvers at, at Phoenix um Hendrick um uh, won their appeal more or less um they're gonna the crew chiefs are sitting out the four weeks the team is gonna pay a hundred thousand dollar fine per car so that's a four hundred thousand dollar organizational penalty that went to Hendrick and then um they got back the hundred owner points and the hundred driver points uh to their four cars now the only car that didn't lose a hundred driver points is the nine car because Josh Berry was driving the car that weekend because that was the weekend that uh, Chase got hurt um, snowboarding. I was, actually, that was the, the first week that Josh was actually in the car the whole weekend, I should say. should caveat that one. But um, nonetheless, um, they all got their 100 points back. They also got back the, the loss of the 10 playoff points. Um, so those are all huge things that um, they got uh, back as well. So then, um, you know, so that's going to happen. I, I'm assuming colleagues going to get the same reversal. Um, I don't know if they're this, it's the same panel for the the colleague group that it was for the Hendrick group. I know typically they pick individual panels uh, depending on penalties. They don't they don't use the same appeals uh, panel for each and every single thing. They they have um they have a group that they select out of basically, and they they pick who they want from the the panel. But it's typically folks that have. Uh, been in the industry for a long time and stuff. It's it's people that are outside of the direct uh, NASCAR group. So sometimes it's former drivers, sometimes it's former promoters. It could be like Humpy Wheeler or, or an Eddie Gossage. Someone of that ilk could be on the panel. And then so a lot of times they have uh, guys that used to be car owners or guys that were crew, crew members, things like that, um, get involved as well on the appeals panel. So um, I didn't see exactly who was on the panel for the Hendrick group, but I'm assuming that the group that's going to uh, get the colleague, get the colleague one is going to be uh, different than the group that had the Hendrick uh, one. But I'm assuming if the the panel did uh, did it for one, they're going to have to do it for the other. I mean, that would be pretty pretty brazen of an appeals panel to to give to give. Uh, an appeal to one car owner and not give it to the other. So I'm assuming that that's what they're going to have to do. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I listen, anything can and will happen. And I'm pretty sure that that's 
Um, we've seen that already, so we'll see what happens. But I, I do think that they're going to have to, um, realistically, they're going to have to um, give them the same the same appeal uh, result, I think. I mean, I don't see how you get away with not doing that. So we'll see what happens there. Um, then we have, um, you know, a little bit of some Denny Hamlin controversy that we'll get through. And then um, we'll just break down the races. I mean, we got a lot to talk about. It's a action-packed episode here for the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. And uh, after this quick break, we'll start breaking down Richmond. We'll talk about the uh, Xfinity race. We'll talk about – we'll touch on the modified race um, a little bit as well. I mean, I normally don't cover modifieds on on uh, the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast, but we'll, we'll break that down a little bit. Um, I thought there was a pretty interesting post-race discussion between um, – I think it was jo- Justin Bonsignor, J.B. Fortin, and um, – trying to remember the other driver that was involved there, uh, Max McLaughlin. How the hell did I forget Max McLaughlin was involved in that? Um, so we'll talk about that, and uh, we'll see what else we get into here on the Coochie Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. We'll be right back after this quick little break. Hey, guys, what's up? It's Bobby here from the Coochie's Corner Podcast. Just want to let you guys know that you can go check out all the latest race news, race recaps, entry lists, point standings, whatever you guys are looking for. It's all on our website, thecrewchief.net. Check it out. We update it as often as we can. We have, like I said, entry list on there. There's race recaps. There's uh, point standings. You want to find out what, what sponsor your favorite driver has this weekend. All the latest news and information is right there on thecrewchief.net. Um, it is your portal to the world of NASCAR news and, uh, be sure to check it out. Once again, that's a crew chief.net. You can even listen to the crew chief's corner podcast right on the website. Check it out guys. All right. We're back here on the crew chief's corner podcast. Um, we're going to break down the races at Richmond, but we're going to start with the truck race out at Texas motor speedway. Just for kicks and giggles. We'll start there. Um, and then we'll t- touch on the three races that happened out at Richmond. So truck race was absolutely wild. I don't know if you guys got to saw uh, to watch this race or not, but I saw it. Um, I don't want to say it's an entirety, but I saw the majority of the race. And I- I'll be honest with you. It was um, pretty wild. I mean, the ending was crazy. Um, so there was a big wreck with, I forget, it was like 20 to go or something like that. There's a huge wreck with Dean Thompson, uh, Trey Hutchins, and Matt Mills um, were all involved. And Armani Williams, I believe, was involved in the wreck as well in the 46. Um, the big thing was that, you know, it, it was one of those wrecks that, you know, when you see it live, it just, uh, it just, the wind gets knocked out of you because, because you see that basically all the drivers were having a hard time once they got out of the trucks. Um, you know, Dean was, was the driver in the five truck, which if you haven't seen the video of this accident, I, I tell you, you, you should go look at it because it is absolutely insane. Um, how, how wrong, how, how bad things can go so quickly when you're driving 190 miles an hour. And this is one of those wrecks where there's guys going through the, the grass and stuff. And this is the big reason why I think Charlotte got rid of the grass, um, on the, on the, um, in the trioval. Because essentially what happened was the dirt got kicked up. Uh, Dean Thompson got, I believe, loose off of four. 
and got into the wall coming off of four going into the front stretch. And it was him and I want to say Armani Williams and Trey Hutchins were in the wreck already uh, with Dean. And then he's sliding down the track. And because there's so much dirt kicked up, that's when Matt Mills basically can't see where he's going. And Matt Mills just basically T-bones Dean Thompson in the passenger side of the truck, thankfully. It wasn't driver's side. It was on the passenger side of the truck. But you could see when he when he hit, I mean, the, how much that, that whole – like roll cage and everything moved in was incredible. I mean, thank God it was a passenger side. I couldn't imagine what that would have been like on a driver's side impact. Um, but that was that was insane. Dean gets out of the truck, um, immediately goes to the ground. And I'm assuming it was the adrenaline that got him out of the truck to begin with, because I mean, I don't know how in the world you get out of that truck otherwise. Um, so he was transported to a local hospital. He was released. Um, I believe Monday morning, um, this morning he was released. And uh, the latest we have is that they're going to go take him um, to North Carolina to get evaluated by, I'm, I'm assuming his doctors and NASCAR doctors to evaluate his status for the, um, the uh, weather guard truck race on dirt um, out of Bristol this weekend. So they're going to evaluate him and see what happens. But um, by all indications, I mean, you know, it's, it's nothing crazy serious. I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be something that he has to get cleared for, whether it's concussion protocol or, or exactly what, I mean, obviously that's all Dean's personal information. That's all covered by HIPAA. So, I mean, none of us really know exactly what's going on with Dean, but um, everything that's come out of Tricon garage and, and Dean has said that he's going to get evaluated uh, medically this week and he'll have to get clearance uh, by NASCAR in order to compete this weekend at it, the Bristol motor speedway. But Certainly um, a scary situation. I mean, when when you go through um, this sport as as long as as I've been watching it, I mean, you you will see wrecks like this, and and it always takes your breath away. I mean, it just knocks the wind out of you for a second because you know you just think that that's a human being in that race car, and it doesn't matter what driver it is. It doesn't matter whether the guy's got fifty five career wins or he's got zero career wins. You never want to see someone hurt. You never want to see someone. Uh, in that kind of a, a situation, it was just it was just a brutal accident. I mean, you know, it just it, it flashed you back to um, other wrecks you've seen in the past. I mean, we've seen some some crazy ones and, and uh, you know, the last several years. And um, thankfully, thankfully, he was uh, he was all right. And he was able to uh, climb out of that truck. Obviously, we got a lot of medical attention and. And the AMR safety team uh, deserves a massive kudos for doing what they did. They got him on the stretcher. They put him in the ambulance, and they they took him they took him to the infield care center at first, and then they took him to a local area hospital, which they then uh, released him from. This uh, I believe it was it was Sunday morning. It wasn't this morning. It was Sunday morning they released him, and uh, he is he is uh, back in North Carolina. I would assume at this point and uh, resting comfortably and going to get evaluated and see what his status is for this weekend. But I'm assuming that uh, that's all going to happen. And we'll find out probably later in the week, whether or not Dean Thompson is going to compete this weekend out at the Texas motor speedway, but certainly glad to hear that he's all right. Certainly glad to hear that Trey Hutchins and uh, Armani Williams and um, Matt Mills are all okay. And uh, you know, we're released from the infield care center right after the wreck happened. So, that was a sort of somber uh, moment in that race, but all right. Sorry about that guys. I guess I hit the, uh, the stop recording button with my arm. I was trying to figure out how that happened, but 
Um, what I was getting to was, you know, it was definitely a somber moment there in the in the race at Texas uh, when that accident happened, and and you could tell the tone changed on the broadcast and stuff, and and rightfully so. I mean, it was a scary moment. I mean, we didn't know right then and there what was going on with Dean, and and you know, that's immediately where your thoughts and and everything goes to. Um, so certainly a somber moment, but glad that he's okay. And, uh, like I said, I was, I was, you know, wanting to share that update with everybody that he is, uh, okay for the most part, uh, as far as we know. And, um, you know, they're going to evaluate him this week and see if he's, uh, going to be medically cleared to race at Bristol. So a scary situation, but like I said, uh, glad to hear that the other drivers involved, Trey Hutchins, Matt Mills, and Armani Williams are all okay. And we're released after the wreck happened. So, um, there was that. And then that kind of set the scene for overtime and all the wildness that happened. Now, I know the the there's a lot of people out there that are going to that are going to say what they want to say when it comes to the whole situation with Carson Hosovar, Nick Sanchez and Zane Smith at the end of this race. Now, what I will say in the in the in the start of this is that I I did I initially had the take that I think a lot of people had, which was, oh my God, I cannot believe that Carson Hosovar cleared out four other trucks to win his first career race. But when you watch it on Fox and the, and the, the broadcast team did a pretty good job of, of having this angle ready to go um, where they played the onboard. Now I know some people were a little upset that they played the, the replay so late that they didn't play it like right away because I guess they were get, waiting for, from, for confirmation from NASCAR whether or not um, Carson won the race, which, I mean, it was pretty clear that Carson was going to win that race. I, I don't know what they were waiting on. Carson Hosovar was going to win the race. There's no debate about it. You know, like he's the guy that's, he's the guy that's right there winning the race. You know, there's nobody else that's around that's, that's going to win it. You know, there's, there's nobody else. All right. So um, I don't know what the, waiting on the replay was, but nonetheless, um, you could see that, um, basically Nick Sanchez and, uh, Zane Smith got pretty much, uh, right into each other, uh, door slammed. It sent Sanchez into the infield and we saw what happened the last time something like that happened. A lot Dale Earnhardt Jr. there and God knows what was that? 2013, 14, something like that. I think it was 13 when Jr. grasped it. And ended up sliding across the track and wrecked the car and caught fire and all that stuff. It was a pretty horrific wreck there at Texas as well. Um, but so Sanchez gets loose, hits the dirt, and basically loses control. And then, you know, in that moment, I mean, Carson Hosovar is jacking up the rear tires of Nick Sanchez and sends him into Zane Smith, which clears out those three in particular. Um, I forget who else they took for a ride there, but there was three cars, uh, three trucks in the wreck. And Hosovar comes out with the win. So, um, you know, there's really not much Carson can do there. I mean, he's, you know, um, obviously I think, you know, Carson just guilty conscience in the sense that, you know, Carson is not always raced with, I would say, the cleanest of uh, moves in his career. So, you know, he gets out of the, uh, the truck and says, you know, I'll take the fall for that one. I got into, I got into Nick, you know, he deserved to win this, that, and the other. And, I think the thing that bothers people when you say something like that is, you know, um, saying that someone deserves to win a race. There, There is no such thing, okay? There's a lot of guys that deserve to win races that don't win races. 
Carson, when you get out of the truck, you just say, Hey, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. Thankful that I got a win. I'm, I'm happy that Nick's okay. And, you know, uh, he'll, he'll have his share of wins down the road, but you know, I've been waiting a long time for this moment. And, and that's basically more or less what you say. You don't get out of the truck and say, Oh, Nick Sanchez deserved to win this race, you know, and I'll take the fall for it. Cause because now you're just opening up the box. It's, it's the same thing I said last week about Bubba Wallace. And the only difference between the situation is that Bubba Wallace then uttered the words after after his wreck at Coda was that I should be replaced. And that's where, you know, the firestorm started on social media. Carson Hosovar comes out and says, you know, hey, I, you know, I'd take the fall for the wreck. No, no, no one, no one is going to sit there and blame Carson Hosovar for the wreck if you've seen the replay. Okay, if you haven't seen the replay, that's where that's where it gets a little dicey. If you haven't watched the replay and you come on and you say, "Hey, you know, Carson Hosovar went out there and wrecked Nick Sanchez." Well, then you got a problem because that's not actually what happened. What really happened was um like I said, Nick Sanchez, you know, just got loose. I mean, he got loose, got in the uh, hit the grass, got a little loose and that's and that's more or less what happened there. That's 100% the wreck. That's 100% what happened. I don't care what anybody tells me. That is what happened, okay? And, you know, you can have a different opinion. You know, I'll respect it. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's just not true that Carson Hosovar went in there and just dog-wrecked him. I mean, he just didn't do that. That's not what happened. You know, say what you want. Um, Like I said, everybody's entitled to an opinion. But there's just no way that that is what happened in this situation. It's just not. It's just not a situation. So, um, a big win for Carson Hosovar. I mean, it's his first career win and 59 career series start. So kudos to, uh, Carson Hosovar. And you know what, if you're Nick Sanchez, I mean, you come away with this knowing that you had a really strong truck at a mile and a half racetrack. There is a decent amount of these on the truck series schedule. It's not an overwhelming amount, but you know, you still need to be able to compete at these tracks in order to compete for the championship. So know that you had a really good truck, know that KBM built you a really strong Chevy Silverado. And you were in the mix. And, and and Sanchez has only been in the truck series here. This is what, his, what, third or fourth start? Like, it's not like Nick Sanchez has, like, 15 truck starts, you know? Um, what's kind of a little bit messed up is he, I think he has more Xfinity starts than he does truck starts. And, um, you know, say what you want about that. But the, the, the Xfinity thing didn't work out for him. I mean, maybe down the road it will. But just but just last year when he was in that 48 car, it was a little it was a little tough to watch. And I was like, man, this kid is he's a talent, but he's just they're putting him in a putting him in a car too fast. He needed to be in a, in a truck. And I think they they found the right spot for him and happy that Rev Racing was able to put that deal together to, to put him in the truck and get that get that program out there. So, um, you know, they made it work. And it's basically I, of what I understand. It's essentially the team that was the 18 team at KBM is essentially the team that's working on this two truck. So it's a key, it's a former KBM group of employees, you know, Danny Stockman's a very well-known crew chief. He knows what he's doing and um, you know, he knows those trucks pretty well. So it all kind of works out. Um, moving on to the uh, Saturday events at Richmond, we had two races. So we had the Xfinity series, which kicked off the weekend. I picked Josh Berry to win. Uh, it looked like at one point Josh had the, the car to beat, um, possibly. And uh, I was getting really excited. I mean, I even got excited. I thought Matt Crafton was going to mix it up there late in the truck race, but he didn't pull it out. So, uh, like I said, kudos to Carson Hosovar for winning there. But uh, Nick Sanchez definitely had the dominating truck. 
But moving to the Xfinity race, um, you know, what can you say? Um, yeah, it was a pretty interesting race overall. I mean, I don't really – I got to look at the stats because I didn't really have them up in front of me. I have the cup stats in front of me right now. So give me two seconds here. I'll look at that. But um, a big – another first-time winner, another guy that sort of should have won a race already this year. Um, you know, Chandler Smith got the win. He did lead the most laps. I, I thought he led the most laps. I wasn't 100% sure. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Um, but a big win for Chandler Smith. He got the job done. He beat um, John Hunter Nemechek, and then uh, Josh Berry came in third. So uh, Josh looked like he had a pretty good car uh, for, for a, definitely a part of the race. I mean, he led 63 laps. Chandler Smith dominated the day, leading 83. Um, the only other driver that led more than, um, like, 20 well actually there's two there's uh sammy smith led 40 laps then you had uh looks like brandon jones led 24 and riley herps led 27 laps so um a couple guys there had had the lead throughout the race so some decent amount of passes obviously uh chandler smith won stage one stage two went to josh barry um, which is what i was alluding to it looked like josh was gonna gonna get the job done there and then um you know, Chandler got got going on a late race restart and ended up winning the race. So big win for Chandler, obviously uh, a young man that's only got, I think this was his 10th Xfinity Series start of his career, already has a win. Big, big, big win for Colleague. A huge, huge uh, payoff for Chris Rice. I mean, this is a guy that went out there and just said, this is Chandler Smith's our guy. This is who we want. Um, and they made it happen. I mean, you know, he has a sponsor with Quick Tie, goes to Victory Lane with him. And like I said, his 10th career start, his, uh, I think this is uh, the seventh, it is the seventh race of 2023 for the Xfinity cars and a big win for Chandler Smith, his first career Xfinity series win. So now he's got a couple truck wins. He's got an Xfinity win. Um, fitting that it comes on a road course because that's Chandler's background. Um, obviously running late models and all that, but. Kudos to him. I mean, a great run for Kaz Gralla as well. I mean, Kaz finishes in fourth. Cole Custer brings it in with a fifth-place finish, a, a great run. That might be his best finish of 2023, if I'm not mistaken, for Cole Custer. Uh, Sheldon Creed, a strong run in sixth. Ryan Sieg, his best run of the season in seventh. Uh, Shout-out to the CMR roofing team. They had a mechanical problem during the race, so good job there for Ryan and the 39 team. I know they're... They're trying to get their their legs under them. They got a new crew chief over there with uh, Ryan's program. So, um, you know, he's getting used to uh, Mike's, I think it's Mike Seagars. Um, that's the crew chief over there. And um, they're, they're just getting used to each other. I mean, Mike, I think is, you know, he's a veteran crew chief. He just hasn't worked with Ryan as much as, uh, you know, Ryan worked with Cowboy and stuff like that. So um, nice to see Ryan see get a, get a seventh place finish out of that. Uh, Parker Kligerman, I mean, again, what, what else can you say about Parker this year? That, that seems like he's been having a pretty good year uh, all the way around. Uh, another solid finish for him. He got the uh, eighth position. Austin Hill in ninth. And how about this one? I mean, this was the surprise of the weekend to me. Derek Krause, his first ever Xfinity Series race, brings it home in the 10th position. First career start. Um, he didn't get points. I wonder if that's because he still has... Uh, truck series declared as his as his points. So Derek Krause's first career truck. Uh, I mean, not first career truck start. First career Xfinity series start finishes in the tenth position. Listen, I, I said this before. There is guys. 
that the truck series just isn't built for. And I just think Derek Krause is one of those kids that the truck series just isn't for him. I, I, you know, last year he really struggled in that 19 truck and it was the second year he was in that truck. And Christian Eckes was the one that won Atlanta. If you go back and listen to last week's episode, I said Zane Smith won it. It was, it was actually Christian Eckes. But uh, what that has to do with, with, with um, Derek Krause is I just think Derek Krause is one of those kids that he's just not fit for the truck series. He's probably a little bit better in an Xfinity car. Colleague has got some speed this year. So whatever the hell their problem was last year, they figured it out because AJ Amendinger won at Coda, and now they have Chandler Smith winning here at Richmond. So they've definitely figured out the speed issue um, over there at, at Colleague. And you knew they were going to figure it out. I mean, Chris Rice and, and Matt Colleague don't go and spend all this money on the Xfinity Series uh, program without getting results. I mean, they want to win races. They want to win championships. That's what they're here to do. Um, you know, their motto is trophy hunting. So you know that that's what they want to do at the end of the day. Um, but a pretty big win for for Chandler, like I said, um, career-defining moment. Um, but if you look down even to the top 15, I mean, Alex LeBay, uh, 11th, um, 11th in that 91 car, so a pretty good run for, for Alex. Uh, even Christian Hacker, I mean, his first ever uh, Xfinity Series start, Drives for RSS Racing, fills in the 38 car for um, Joe Graff Jr., who was out with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. I don't even where the hell did he finish? <laughs> where in the hell did Joe Graff ah, Joe Graff Jr. all the way down in 37th? What a surprise! They put him in a in a JGR car and he finishes 37th. What the hell were they thinking? Alrighty then. Uh, even even uh, Kyle Seagal finished him. Kyle finished 20th. Pretty good run for Kyle. I mean, Kyle's, you know, first full-time season in Xfinity, so uh, pretty good run there for Kyle. Uh, getting that getting it done there in 20th. Uh, Parker Retzlaff, uh, 16th. I mean, that's good for that car. Parker had a great run here, I think. Well, he had a great run at Phoenix. I remember that. But I, I thought he ran really well at, at Richmond last year, too. When he was driving for RSS, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he had a pretty good run in that car. My mind's slipping me, maybe. Um, but yeah, good run for him with the uh with that finish. Um Brandon Jones had a you know, had a pretty good car at one point in time, just got bit there, I think, on a on the late restarts. Uh Riley Herps, easily his worst finish of the season there in twenty third. Daniel Hemrick, I mean <laughs> He ran seventh in stage one, and then I guess it fell off. I mean, I don't know what point you, as an organization, sit there and say, okay, money's one thing, but you got to have some kind of level of talent to drive a car. Now, I will say that Daniel Hamburg is way more talented than me behind a race car because obviously he's driving a race car, and I'm not. But, um, damn, I mean, when when you get outrun by two guys and one of those guys making his series debut, I, I would be a little bit worried if I'm Daniel Hemrick. Just saying, you know, maybe maybe next year uh, the contract negotiations might not go as smooth. Um, yeah, and then you know, looking at the bottom of the field there, I mean, Jeremy Clements had a pretty rough day, uh, finished in thirty sixth. But pretty much everybody else in the back of the pack are guys that you expect to be back there. I mean, nobody really uh, – there's no other real surprises. You know, Brett Moffitt pretty much finished where he started. 
they've been struggling and you could tell they're they've been struggling this year and that uh and that that 25 car i mean they, they it's a brand new team i mean they have some really good equipment they just just don't have the finishes to show for it so while we're at it let's take a look at the xfinity series points and we'll look at the uh driver points here oh don't tell me there's an error opening the document come on i love i love when i love when this happens Yep. So there's something wrong with the file. All right. That's always really reassuring. <clears throat> Doesn't even reopen. Let's uh, try to reload the page here. Oh, still a failure. Well, I guess we're not going to go over Xfinity driver points. I can't even get the owner points open. That's always fun. Let me just make sure that I don't have to re-log into the, to the media site. Nope, I think we're good. All right, so moving on, we will talk about the modified race. I saw I saw the highlights of the modified race. I didn't watch it, but, um, you know, a, a, a big win for uh, Austin Beers, a uh, young kid, um, picks up his first career whale and modified win. He won the pole, won the race, dominated the race, really. Um, great run by JB Fortin, uh, second place. This is, I think it's his best career finish on the, on the tour side of things. I know JB won the ice slip 300, but that's not a tour race if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, uh, J Justin Bonsignor, JB Fortin and, um, Max McLaughlin all had a big discussion after the race. It was really the argument was between Max McLaughlin and JB Fortin. And Justin Bonsignor just basically got involved and just said, hey, you know, maybe race will a little more respect this time, which is kind of funny because, you know, Kyle Busch talked about the lack of respect uh, there. Um, but it's, it was kind of interesting because, you know, Justin Bonsignor was was, was basically trying to, to, to tell JB to, you know, like you don't have to, you know, run into guys. You don't have to nerf bar guys out of the way to, 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 to advance your position. And that's more or less what he did to Max McLaughlin. That's why Max got mad at him. And, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, you, you, it, it's just like the Kyle Bush show. You know, I mean, people love Kyle Bush and people hate Kyle Bush, but, you know, at the end of the day, Kyle Bush is going to do what he wants to do to win a race, right? So I feel like JB Fortin was kind of like, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do in order to win. And it really doesn't matter what happens. You know, he's like, I had to, that was the fastest car I ever had him in my career. Of course, I'm going to go out there and try to, try to run it, you know, run as fast as I can and try to win the race. But, you know, I don't think he had um, enough there, enough time at the end to really catch Austin Beers and, and beat him. But, I mean, he had a pretty good uh, number 34, uh, you know, well and modified there. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty good show for him. I mean, for a kid from Long Island to go out there and run second to Austin Beers was pretty good. So, um, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. He outran, you know, Doug Kobe and some other guys who obviously were a little different tire strategy, but uh, still a, a good day for JB. So kudos to those guys. And, you know, still a good run for Justin Bonsignor. I mean, you know, Justin, I think, beat the guys he needed to beat in his, as far as the, uh, you know, the driver's championship goes. Um, you know, so he's he's in a good spot for that. And then, you know, Max McLaughlin, he, Max just shows up the race. He doesn't He doesn't really run the modifieds for points. He just runs them for fun. Um, you know, he's he dabbles in a little bit of everything. He runs a um, he runs that team series that uh, Stuart Friesen runs. They run the uh, super dirt, um, the super dirt uh, big block modifieds. 
they go out and run that tour and they, they uh, go have all kinds of fun with that. So you see that a lot with uh, Stuart Friesen and Max McLaughlin's in that series as well. So kind of interesting to see that. Um, then you move to the Sunday race. I didn't really get to watch the race yesterday. I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I didn't really get to watch it, but um, I did see enough stuff that, you know, we could discuss it. So what we're going to do is going to take one more uh, break here. We will, um, Tell you guys about our friends, Brett and LaDonna, so you can pre-order your Kyle Larson race win diecast at CircleB.com. I'm sure there's going to be, um, you know, different versions of it offered. I'm sure they're going to have, like, a special finish. They'll have the standard uh, run, and then they'll have some kind of a special finish autographed version as well. And the win was incredibly meaningful for Larson because yesterday was what – what would have been Ricky Hendrick's 43rd birthday. So a big win for Kyle Larson on, like I said, what would have been Ricky Hendrick's 43rd birthday. So a, a big win, obviously with that number five car painted uh, in Ricky's paint scheme with the HendrickCars.com sponsorship. So a, a very poignant moment for them and that organization and a big win for Kyle Larson is first of the 2023 season. So I'll talk to you guys about our friends at Circle B Diecast, and we'll be right back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. Hosted by Bobby Bailey. What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Bailey here at Coochie's Corner Podcast. I want to share with you guys a great deal that I have for you. You guys know I collect a lot of diecasts and a lot of NASCAR apparel. So where do I go to get all my stuff? Well, I deal with my friends Brent and LaDonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. They have all the latest race win diecasts. They even have this past race uh, weekend's race win on the website right now. So go check it out. Crew Chiefs Corner has a discount code for all of our listeners. If you go in the promo code box, so let's say you order this past weekend's race win diecast, you use Crew Chiefs Corner, all one word. You get $5 off all U.S. Continental orders over $30 or more. It's a great deal, even today. Five bucks off shipping. I mean, shipping's gone through the roof. So go check out my friends Brent and LaDonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. Use my promo code Coochie's Corner. You get five bucks off your shipping order. All U.S. orders over 30 bucks. You get five dollars off your shipping cost. So go check them out. Let them know we sent you. Order away at your favorite race win diecast. And it doesn't have to be race win diecast. It could be whatever diecast you want. They have stuff in stock from probably last year and years past. They have all the stuff on pre-order for this current season as well. So go check it out. CircleBDieCast.com. Let them know I sent you. All right, everyone. This is Bobby Bailey back here at the Coochie's Quarter Podcast. We are now going to go over Richmond, at least for the cup cars. We already went over the, the truck race out of Texas. We went over um, Carson Host of our first career win. We went over a first career race winner. And Chandler Smith at at Richmond Raceway. And now we're on to the cup race on Sunday. So we almost got a first-time winner, but we didn't quite get one. But we got a first-time 2023 winner instead. Kyle Larson picks up the victory on Sunday. His first win of the season. Obviously a a big win uh, for Kyle. Uh, obviously a lot of people are feeling some kind of way about it just because of what happened with the hood louvers, the appeal process. Uh, then happens and um you know essentially the 100 point penalties get taken away so people are we're feeling some type of way about that um but a big w- race win for kyle larson locks him into the playoffs 
um, gets the team in. They, um, you know, lead the most laps, led 93 laps, um, picked up the victory, got the, the five playoff points and a uh, big win for those guys. So, um, Kyle Larson wins, uh, his teammate, Josh Berry finishes second, picks up, uh, his best career finish. So now Josh Berry, um, you know, goes out and runs Phoenix and finishes 10th, does not run Coda, comes back and runs, uh, Richmond and picks up a second place finish. So Josh Berry might be looking at a cup seat pretty soon. If I'm a betting man, you know, Josh Berry's going to get a contract deal this year. Someone's going to get this kid in a car. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's not a Chevrolet organization. Uh, Ross Chastain finishes third. Christopher Bell fourth. Kevin Harvick fifth. Michael McDowell sixth. So a big, uh, a great run for those guys over at uh, Front Row Motorsports. A big run for those guys. They needed a great finish. So uh, Michael McDowell finishes in sixth. Joey Logano seventh. Um, Alex Bowman eighth. Ninth goes to Ty Gibbs. I feel like Ty Gibbs has finished ninth like four weeks in a row. I think it's three technically, but or three. Um, my pick to win the race was Brad Keselowski. Brad comes back to finish in the 10th position. A solid day for Brad, though. Overall, he had a pretty solid day. Brad finished ninth in Stage 1, finished 6th in Stage 2, and brings it home in 10th. So a solid day for those guys. Obviously, a uh, disappointing run there for Martin Truex Jr. late in the race. Um, you know, had the car to beat, and it looked like it was going to be his race to win. Uh, late caution uh, kind of ruined um, the, the pitch strategy there, they come down pit road, they take scuffed tires, um, and, uh, it comes back to bite them. So they, uh, they end up losing on that deal and basically it ends up uh, costing them a number of positions and, um, probably what would have been Martin Truex's first win since 2021 points paying win that is. And, um, yeah, it doesn't happen. So a disappointing run there for, for Truex, um, in 11th, Chase Briscoe, 12th, um, Eric Amarola, 13th, Kyle Busch, 14th, Todd Gilliland, 15th, a, a, a solid backup to a top 10 finish last week at Coda. Uh, so a solid there, uh, run there by Todd Gilliland. Tyler Reddick, 16th after winning last week at Coda. And Chandler Smith making his NASCAR Cup Series debut finishes in 17th. So a good run for him. Ryan Priest, 18th. I think that's his best finish of the season. Harrison Burton, 19th, and Denny Hamlin, 20th. Denny Hamlin, that's a guy that we could talk a lot about. Denny, um, so Denny, for those of you that haven't been listening in the last couple weeks or haven't watched the races, Denny goes on his podcast. He has a he has a new show, uh, Actions Detrimental. It's so appropriately named. Um, and I know Denny did that on purpose. He named it that because, you know, he's been fined a few times with the words Actions Detrimental, right? Um, it's in the rule book, so that's why he names it that. Um, <laughs> he, he goes out and admits that he wrecks uh, Ross Chastain on purpose out of Phoenix. Gets fined 25 driver points and gets, you know, personally, monetarily fined $50,000 by NASCAR. So he's a, he's appealing it because he's trying to say that if it wasn't for his podcast, they would never know that he wrecked them on, on purpose. So basically, he shouldn't get fined and, and penalized for it. Well... We'll see what happens. I, I still think he's gonna gonna get it because they did the same, almost the exact same thing to Bubba Wallace when he admitted he wrecked Larson on purpose. So at Las Vegas, so I don't really see that there's gonna be any lenient leniency there by NASCAR. Um, I think they're gonna find him and 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 
I think the appeals board is is going to uphold the penalty. I mean, I just I just don't see how you can, you know, let you know you go out and you find you find Bubba and uh, you know hold hold him you know hold his foot to the fire and you're not going to do the same thing to to Denny Hamlin. I, I just don't see how it's going to happen. So it's going to make for a fun week uh, with the appeals process, but I, I do think that uh, you know Denny's going to going to you know have a rough go at it. I mean. I haven't listened to the podcast. I don't think it dropped yet. Um, I didn't get notified about it because I follow it just because I love listening to Denny's takes on things because he's – the one thing you can say about Denny Hamlin is he's very opinionated and he doesn't give a care in the world what anybody else thinks of him. He really doesn't. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure he's got something to say about J.J. Yaley this week, and I hope he admitted that he wrecked him intentionally because that would make for some great fodder for the Wednesday appeal. Maybe he won't admit it. Maybe Denny's going to be smart and not admit that he wrecked him on purpose. But you can't tell me after watching that video he didn't wreck the guy on purpose. There's no way. No way you can admit it that he didn't do it on purpose. So, um, so yeah, Denny gets into J.J. Hale, uh, Haley. I almost said J.J. Haley. Whoops. That would have been a big faux pas. Um, so he gets into J.J. Haley. And it's like, what is it, lap 36 of the race? It's... It's early in the day. I mean, it's not like it's a late in a race. You know, JJ was probably, you know, like three laps down. And he wasn't giving him an inch. You know, this is early in the race. This was like lap 36. They get into it. So I don't know what the heck was going on there. Um, I'm trying to look back at the cautions. Oh, it was lap. It was lap 46. I thought it was lap 36. It was, it was, it was lap 46 that they got into it. I mean, what the hell are you doing if you're if you're if you're uh, Denny Hamlin wrecking a guy that early? You're wrecking a guy that early in the race. I mean, what the hell are you doing? I don't get it. I really don't understand it. And then um, the guy that dominated this week, uh, this race was William Byron. I mean, he led what was it? I think 117 laps. Yeah, he led 117 laps. I mean, Denny led uh, 71 laps, uh, goes and finishes, you know, 20th. Um, But Denny, Denny, uh, you know, just got bit there late in the race. And and I don't think Hamlin's finish is indicative of how Denny ran. I mean, Denny ran really well because he led 71 laps. Um, It was just one of those deals. I think they pitted and, you know, they didn't make up the track position. It's, and it is kind of hard to pass at Richmond. I mean, it, it. You know, I would say that this is probably one of the better Richmond races. Um, but when you go up against last year's debacle, I mean, basically anything would have looked better. But, um, you know, I, I do think at the end of the day, it was a pretty good race. Um, not my favorite race of Richmond ever, but it was a pretty good one. I mean, you know, I've seen some of the highlights and stuff, and and I think it was a pretty good race. I think, I think overall the fan base is pretty okay with this race. I don't really feel like there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh my God, this is the worst Richmond race I ever saw in my life. I didn't see social media blowing up last night. So I, I guess that's a good thing. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this Denny Hamlin thing is going to be weird. Um, I, I just think he's got to admit he wrecked him. I mean, you know, you, you just, you know, and, and, and I get it. You know, he was, you know, I, I saw the end car from, from Hamlin I saw that he just got into him and just, you know, I mean, I saw that the, 
you know, JJ was racing double wide in front of Hamlin, but you know, I'm sorry if, if Hamlin thought that JJ's job is to get out of his way, then get up. Denny Hamlin's got another got other issues. You know, that's not, that's not JJ's job. JJ's job is if JJ's a lap down, he should get out of the, the guys that are going for, you know, the race lead and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, um, concede his line or concede a line to him so that they can get around him. But it is not JJ's job to go out there and to essentially, you know, cede a position to Denny Hamlin because Denny Hamlin's in the back of the field for one reason or another. It, it just, that's not how it works. And, you know, I just, you know, for a guy that's preaching, and I'm going to use JJ's words here. For a guy that preaches respect and wants people to respect him and, and you know, wants people to race him clean, uh, you don't go out there and do that kind of stuff because that's that's just doing the opposite of what you want. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, do I think this is a really big deal? No. Do I think J.J. Yaley remembers this at some point in time down the road where, you know, Denny's leading a race and it's coming down late, you know, between him and somebody else and J.J. holds him up on purpose? Um, because then he wrecked him at Richmond. It could happen. I could see it happening. You know, and, and you got to remember at one time or another, these guys were teammates at Gibbs. You know, so I, I just don't get it. I just don't understand the whole the whole problem here. You know, and what the hell did J.J. Yaley do to him? You know, is, is, is Denny Hamlin on the I don't give a flying flip tour this year too? You know, I just don't get it. And I guess Ross Chastain uh, pissed off uh, Christopher Bell. I saw the the clip of that after the race. Apparently, uh, Christopher thought that uh, you know Chastain was rec- was racing too hard, and that's what caused that the wreck between Chastain, Bell, and Byron. And um, you know, Christopher Bell was complaining after the race. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there listening to this, um, you know, this this interview, and I'm just just saying to myself, my God, I mean. You know, I remember back in the day when, you know, you had Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, Terry Labonte. You know, those guys didn't complain when they wrecked each other. Those guys didn't cry about respect and cry about this and cry about that. They went out there and just raced, right? And, I I mean, this was something I kind of alluded to last week is that, you know, the racing today is way different than the racing was, you know, even 10 years ago. And I think a lot of that has to do with how the kids are being brought up these days. I mean, if you sit there and watch the truck race, and I, I'm not saying watch a truck race from the, for the for the lead. If you watch a truck race from about fifth, about from about tenth to about thirty second, or however many trucks, I think it's thirty two that they run now. Watch it from about tenth to thirty second, and it is an absolute dogfight every single week. There's guys wrecking guys intentionally, and this is one of the reasons why you know there's people out there that think Haley Deegan should have been in an Xfinity car this year because. Honestly, Haley got is probably getting wrecked on purpose more than she won in the Xfinity series. And which is why I think Derek Krause ran as well as he did in the trucks. I mean, in the Xfinity car this week, because he didn't have guys that were pissed off at him in the back of the field wrecking him on purpose. And I and I think that that's a big reason why he's probably going to get an Xfinity ride on a part-time basis with somebody, whether it's colleague or not, because I think Krause has got the talent. I just think he was in the wrong series. You know, and, and someone's going to say, well, Nick Sanchez, well, Nick Sanchez goes out and runs really well, but Nick Sanchez is in a really fast truck. Yeah, a really fast truck. Those KBM trucks are hooked up this year, right? 
Um, you know, Derek Krause was stuck in a truck that was GMS, but I mean, I don't know how old those GMS trucks were. They could have been three years old for all the hell, you know, and you know, that's probably part of the problem. And I, and I know Derek put himself in some pretty bad spots too. You know, I'm pretty sure Freddie Kraft alluded to that a little bit on DBC at some points during the course of the season. So there's times where, you know, racing hard is one thing, but just going out and just wrecking a driver on purpose or just wrecking a guy because he pissed you off is just not, it's just not good. It's just not good uh, decision-making on, on, on a driver's part, but this is what you're going to see. And I hate to say it as these young kids keep coming through the ranks, you're, you're seeing more and more of it as we, as they get higher and higher in the, you know, in the, in the series. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Harrison Burton, Todd, Todd Gill. And I mean, those kids are, are having a tough time because what worked for you in the truck series and what worked for you, maybe a little bit in Xfinity is not going to get you far in the cup series. And I think that's why they struggled for as long as they have. And you look at a kid like Austin Sindrick, whose racecraft was, you know, defined in, in road course racing, go-karts and all this other stuff is got a way better race craft. And that's why I think, you know, Austin Zendricks is going to be a way better race car driver. It's just the fact of the matter. You know, it is what it is. So I just, you know, I, I think we just got to, I don't want NASCAR to get involved. I don't want this to be something that they have to police. I, I don't think it should be something they police. I think it's just something that more or less they should leave alone, let the drivers figure this out. And, you know, if I'm a veteran like a Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin, I mean, what you should do is instead of wrecking guys or getting mad, just go over and talk to the guy. I mean, I, you know, I would say that, you know, instead of saying something to, to um via camera, go out and say something to him via like real life. Like go and say something to him in it after the race, go talk to him in their hall or after the race and, and have a conversation and say, Hey, this is what's pissing me off that you're doing. Don't do this anymore. You know, and have, have that, that, that conversation. I mean, you want to be respectful. That's fine. I don't care. I mean, that's, you know, that's what you want to, how you want it to be. That's fine. But you know, at the same time, you can't expect guys to just give you an inch late in the race. You know, early in the race, like what happened with J.J. Yaley and Denny Hamlin, you expect the guy to not freaking just drive into your, you know, right rear quarter panel and send you up the track because, you know, you're you're impeding his process of, of moving forward. Well, God damn it, it's 46 laps in the race, Denny Hamlin. Like, what? where the hell are you going in such a hurry? And I get it. He's probably pissed because he probably got penalized or something. He's, he's mad he's in the back of the field. I get it. But that's not J.J. Yaley's fault. That's your own goddamn fault, probably for the most part, or it's your crew's fault. And you know, it, you you got to take the the good with the bad. And that's, you know, that's something that Denny is has always struggled with, right? That's something that you know I think all of us struggle with is is sometimes taking those bad situations and coming down and just being like, hey, you know, it's something, you know, something happened. It is what it is, and we're gonna move forward from here. And it's a long goddamn race, you know, and and it is. You know, it's 400 laps and, you know, people were moving from the back to the front. It was not like it was impossible to pass this, this time at Richmond. It was not the Richmond of old. So, you know, you can't, you can't hide behind that veil forever either. So I don't know. I mean, I just, like I said, I just think the whole respecting's a crock of, you know, what, you know, when, when I heard Kyle Bush say that, I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, Kyle, just, sh just shut up. Just stop talking. Stop saying about respect, you know, cause you know, like I said, back in the 90s, I mean, Dale Earnhardt had, 
you know, he probably respected his peers, but he didn't give a care. When he got on the track, he could care less what you're, if you respected him or not. He was going to move your ass out of the way, whether he, you know, when he wanted your spot. And that was it. You know, that, that, that stuff didn't fly with Earnhardt. And, you know, when you hear Kyle Bush saying that, you're just like, what the hell is Kyle talking about? Respect. I mean, you know, yeah, there's respect. I mean, you know, these guys aren't beating the hell out of each other on lap two. But, you know, late in the race, like, there's going to be situations where you're going to get pinched. You're going to get shoved into a wall. There's times where someone's not going to give a care, and they're just not going to give you an inch of respect. And, you know, you got to be willing to understand that. And that's part of being a race car driver. You know, this isn't Formula One where, you know, we need the stewards to sit there and police whether or not Max Verstappen bumped into, you know, uh, Lewis Hamilton or not. You know, this is not this is not that style of racing. And, you know, I think the fan base would revolt if that's what it turned into. So I do think the drivers just got to, you know, they, they got to have a big powwow and, and and more or less like talks amongst themselves and figure out what the hell the driver code of conduct should be amongst themselves because they got to, they, there's a, there's a situation they got to work on. And I, and I, but I feel like the older drivers feel one way, the younger drivers feel a different way and they got to just have a chat, you know, and figure it out, you know? And like I said, I think once like a Harvick, a Kyle Busch, you know, Hamlin, like once these guys retire, I think the style of racing is just going to change. And I don't think it's going to get better. I think these guys are going to race even harder because you know, say what you want. I mean, the stage racing is probably part of the problem in some people's eyes. I don't really think it is. I, I think the stage racing, if anything, has made the racing more exciting. It gives you a natural caution. It gives you an opportunity if you're at the freaking racetrack to go to the bathroom and go buy some food or whatever and at a predictable time. I, I think the benefits outweigh the problem. And the problem isn't, you know, I think if you ask most race fans, what they get frustrated about with the stage racing is the cautions. I don't think it's, listen, I don't think anyone could care less whether or not they award the points or not. I don't think there's a fan out there. that's like, Oh my God, don't award the points. Like no one's complaining about that. What people are complaining about is the caution period taking so long. And I think that's one thing NASCAR could in theory clean up is instead of having it like be 10, 15 laps of cautions in between the stages, clean it up where it's like four or five laps, you know, make it a little bit shorter. Now, I know someone's going to say, well, then Bobby, you know, if you, if you're, you know, at a, at like a Daytona and you got to go to the restroom, you got to walk down, you know, 18 flights of stairs because you're up at the top row. Um, you know, I get it, but I mean, it's still at the end of the day, I mean, it's way better than what it was. What it was, was you weren't, you didn't know when the cautions were going to happen. You know, now you have a predictable time where, oop, all right, let me go, let me go grab some food, go to the bathroom, stretch a little bit. You know, and and that's what happens. I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you. That's what happens during the stage breaks. You know, if you're there in person, you know, you get up, you go to use the restroom, you go go grab some food, you stretch, you stand up in your seat a little bit, you move around. That's what's happening. You know, you bring food in, you bring beverage in, you're you're eating and drinking in your seat whenever, obviously. But you know, a lot of times that's why I see people. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go grab something. You want something? You know, that's that's what I see a lot of when I'm at the track. So. I think the stage breaks work, you know, maybe if you're on, you know, if you're at home and you could walk to a refrigerator and, you know, during a commercial break and get the food or whatever during the middle of a race. But, you know, when you're at the track, I mean, a lot of people want to watch the whole damn thing or as much of it as they can. So I think it works out for everybody. I don't see them going away entirely.
you know, and it's, and, and, and then if you get rid of it, you're, you're going to have a very similar debate to what you would have. And I know like it was brought up a little bit on DBC. They talked about, you know, how it was like the race was like 30 minutes shorter with Coda this year versus last year. And, and it's kind of the same debate that's going on with um, baseball right now. A lot of people are complaining about how, you know, with the pitch clock and baseball, that the baseball games are going a lot shorter. So, so now NASCAR fans are complaining the races are going on too long. So we got to shorten the races up by getting rid of the cautions for the stage breaks and I can get my afternoon back. Listen, it's only 30 minutes, people. You're not, you're not losing that much time. And that's, and that's the worst case scenario, which is the road courses. So what are you really going to gain back? I just, you know, people like to complain to complain. It's the way of life. It's the way of life for a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, so, so touching on some news for uh, this upcoming week, Jonathan Davenport is going to drive for Spire Motorsports at Bristol uh, in the truck series. He's going to drive the number seven Nutrien Ag Solutions truck. So, be on the lookout for Superman Jonathan Davenport behind the wheel of the number seven truck. Uh, it's a pretty capable team over there at Spire. So I, I would say that Davenport might have a pretty good shot at running well in that truck. And I think Davenport's going to surprise a lot of people in the cup car. I know there's a lot of people have differing opinions of it, um, but I think Davenport's going to be pretty good in that uh, truck and or the, um, and or the, uh, the cup car. I, I think he could be both. In, he could be great in both, but I think he's going to be, you know, you're going to see the talent. And I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize with Davenport is Jonathan's more than just a guy that's, you know, driven a dirt car all of his entire life. Like he's, he's done, you know, the dirt late model scene for, for a number of years. And I think a lot of people forget that Jonathan actually did try to get into the asphalt world. He just never had the sponsorship money to do it. Like his, his dad was basically only ever able to afford to, to do the dirt stuff. And he was never able to to do the asphalt stuff. He tried doing it on his own, couldn't do it, couldn't get the break. And uh, essentially, that's that's what you know, kind of you know, derailed Jonathan from from getting into NASCAR. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I think Jonathan Davenport um, in a Cup car on dirt is going to be a sight to behold. You know, and and I and I brought up to somebody, and and you know, I don't. I was just trying to state something. I wasn't trying to have an opinion on this, but you know, there's a guy that um, that was commenting on my Jonathan Davenport post that said, um, you know, I, I think that this is just as bad as, you know, the road course ringers and this, that, and the other. And I, and I don't really necessarily agree with that sentiment. I mean, you know, you're talking about probably the second or the third guy that's actually ever driven one of these vehicles that comes from the dirt racing world. So you had Chris Windham a couple years ago, and then you had uh, Shane Golenbach, I think, uh, ran, was it last year or two years ago? Nobody attempted to run the race last year with the new car that wasn't a series regular, as far as I remember. There was no, like, you know, Jonathan Davenport-type driver, you know, not, nobody like that, because the next-gen cars were so new and they were so expensive. I think nobody was going to be able to put a deal together for that because of just the cost and the and probably – whatever the, the, the wreck clause would be on one of the, on one of these cars would probably be exceptional um, or well, not exceptional would probably be astronomical is the right word. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was probably why we saw nobody, no one do it last year, 
but you know, I think you look at this year, you know, Davenport's going to have a shot at it. Um, I think this opens the door. I mean, you know, Larson goes out and runs, you know, dirt late models a lot too. And and there's times where Davenport straight up beats Larson in a, in a, in a dirt late model. So I, I do think that he's going to be a little bit better than what some people are putting out there. Colic has some really good race cars. I mean, you got to remember, you know, Chandler Smith finished 17th at Richmond in his first ever start in a cup car and outran the two guys that run that car every single week. So say what you want about Jonathan Davenport. He's going to have a pretty damn good piece to go out there and, and, and show the world what he's capable of doing. And I think he will. I'm not saying race win. God, no. But he's probably going to be up there, top 10, top 15 for sure. I think he's going to mix it up, and he's probably going to be competitive in the truck race. You know, I think he's going to be very competitive in that truck race. You know, like I said, he's one of those guys that he's he's driven, you know, he's done some asphalt late model stuff. He hasn't really done a ton of, uh, like, I don't think he did, like, ARCA or anything like that, but he's he's been in this world, you know, of asphalt racing. And, you know, I know it's a dirt race, so it's way more in his wheelhouse than it is in anybody else's, but driving these stock cars on this kind of a surface is going to be way out of his wheelhouse anyhow. But, you know, the dirt, the dirt's the dirt, you know, like these guys have a knack and usually guys that are dirt racers, they can figure out the different cars, you know, like Larson's one of those generational talents that he could just drive anything. Like, it, like and that's the thing with Larson that a lot of people I think like underappreciate with him is that Kyle can jump in a four ten sprint and go out and win. And Larson can the next night go and jump in a, you know, in a, in a late model and go out and win in that, you know? So, so Larson's one of those generational talents that, you know, really can win in anything, whether it's on pavement or on dirt, like he can win in anything. And I bet you he could get behind the wheel of a, of a funny car tomorrow and probably run way better than what a lot of people think he would. He's got, he's got that kind of talent, you know, and, you know, you can argue and say that the only other guy that I can remember that's even in the last 20 years, that's, that's been like that is Tony Stewart. Like Tony's the only other guy that's that's really like he's racing in everything. Like he ran IndyCar, he ran you know USAC uh, Silver Crown, you know sprint cars. He ran World of Outlaws. He's done NASCAR. He's now doing a top alcohol fuel car, you know, in NHRA. So you know Tony has done a little bit of everything. Now you know Kurt Busch, you can make an argument and say, well, well, Kurt ran one Indy 500. He did run some races, you know, in a in a pro stock in NHRA when he was suspended by NASCAR. So he's done some of that kind of stuff, but he's not at nearly at the level that Tony Stewart was at. So there's that chase Briscoe is going to drive for AM technical. Uh, I think it's just AM racing now in the truck series. He's going to drive the 22 truck. I believe, I believe Mahindra is going to sponsor that truck. I think that's why I saw it was Mahindra on there. Um, so he's going to be in the race. Uh, you know, Joey Logano is going to be in. He's going to drive the 66 truck for Thor Sport. He's going to have Hang 10 Car Wash as his sponsor. Um, William Byron's in this race. I believe he's driving the 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. So uh, there's there's a decent amount of named drivers in the uh, what's um, being sponsored this year by WeatherGuard. They make all kinds of like, you know, um, toolboxes and stuff for trucks and whatnot. So uh, WeatherGuard is the primary sponsor of the race. So they're calling it the WeatherGuard Truck Race on Dirt. So be sure to check that out. I believe that's Saturday evening that the, the trucks are running, if I'm not mistaken. 
And then you have the cup cars on Sunday evening, Easter Sunday, they're going to run Sunday night. And um, I mean, really for, for race picks, I mean, it is kind of a little bit of a, you know, anybody's guess. Uh, I want to go on a limb and say Kyle, uh, that Kyle Larson doesn't win the dirt race. I'm going to go with Christopher Bell and I'm also going to pick a, I'm going to pick someone that's a short track driver, but not a dirt racer. I think Ty Majeski wins on Saturday evening. So those are my picks for this weekend at Bristol dirt. Be sure to check out the races wherever um, you are. You can check them out obviously on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, and you can also check it out on your local uh, FS1 channel, depending on where you get FS1 from. You can probably stream the races too, if I'm not mistaken as well. So, guys, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Coochie's Corner podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to share us with all your friends and family. Be sure to check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'll catch you guys next week here on the Coochie's Corner podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Thanks for listening to the Coochie's Corner podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook, at the Crew Chief. On Twitter, at the Crew Chief. Instagram, at Crew Chief's Corner. TikTok, at Crew Chief's Corner. And on the Anchor app and anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.